Welcome to Wadcast. I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town. April is National Donate Life Month, and we're going to talk to two women who are shining a spotlight on this critical issue. Heidi Evans, a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter who worked at the New York Daily News, is now executive director of Live On New York, a nonprofit committed to helping New York live on through organ and tissue donations. Georgette Kelly's new play, I Carry Your Heart, about a relationship that develops between two families involved in organ donation, will have its New York premiere at 59E59 Theaters, running through April 14. This is such an important topic, and we're thrilled to have Heidi and Georgette here to talk with us. Heidi and Georgette, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having you. So, Heidi, uh, how did you make the transition from reporting in this area to actually working in it? What was your motivation? Well, I had been a health and medical reporter at the New York Daily News um, for many years, and uh, just like in many things, uh, personal uh, experience oftentimes leads you to make decisions. Um, I, it was kind of a time in my career where it was the right time to make a transition. And the most compelling thing I could think of um, transitioning to in the medical and health field was organ donation. My brother had had a heart transplant in 1994 and lived 10 extra wonderful years. We never would have had them. So through the course of the experience of helping him uh, getting listed and getting his transplant, I thought this was an incredible public service to continue in from a career in public service journalism that I had done. So uh, you've been in this field for a long time. Can you point to some of the major changes that you've seen? Well, certainly there's so much more awareness now and acceptance, especially with living donation where people are donating their kidneys when they can to a loved one or to a friend. Um, and there have been incredible medical advancements now uh, for the first time. People with HIV can donate to people with HIV, people with hepatitis C who had been ruled out before, now those infections can be treated and those people can be donors and recipients. So those are great steps forwards. And, you know, the, the surgical and medical technology extraordinary. Um, but still so much more needs to be done in, in the area of awareness. People are still uncomfortable with the subject, obviously, of mortality and death and donation. Mm -hmm. Well, th that was one of the questions I was going to ask about uh, who could uh, be an organ donor. Are there any limitations? I mean, genetic conditions or age even? Well, really, no. People of all ages in medical history should consider themselves potential donors. Your medical condition at the time of death will determine what organs and tissue can be donated. So people shouldn't rule themselves out. In New York now, there's um, a new state law that allows 16 and 17 year olds to sign up on the registry uh, as they're applying for their driver's license, which makes sense. And it doesn't mean that something terrible is gonna happen to you. It just means that on the day we all exit, there is potential to give a gift of life to somebody else. Now, if someone doesn't sign up in that way to be an organ donor, I mean, we've all seen these medical shows where someone dies and then the relatives very soon after that are approached uh, to make that decision for a loved one. Um, that has to be a, a difficult conversation for medical professionals to have. Absolutely. 
absolutely. And I know, you know, for the staff <clears throat> at Live on New York, which is the uh, nonprofit organization that uh, coordinates organ donation here, and the staff are the ones that make the approach to the family when somebody has been declared brain dead. You, you can't, you can only imagine how difficult it is, especially since, you know, most of us have had, not have that, have had that conversation with our family. So you have people in great distress, um, great trauma, having suddenly lost somebody. And now to be asked that question, if you've never thought about it, um, picture large families, six siblings arguing over what to do. There are, you know, cases where there's been, you know, uh, child abuse cases, and then you have uh, um, a mother and a father trying to decide between, you know, what to do. And, uh, you know, there's always, um, there can always be a lot of friction. And uh, it's, it's, it's probably, you know, the worst circumstance to have to make such a decision. So much better to discuss it beforehand. Sure. Now, April is National Donate Life Month. And so, Georgette, your play, which will be at 59E59, theaters in New York certainly is well-timed. Uh, tell us how you came to write I Carry Your Heart. Sure. Um, I began writing I Carry Your Heart in 2011 um, after a period of, in my life where I had been spending a lot of time in the hospital uh, visiting a friend who had been diagnosed with a terminal illness. Um, and he wasn't involved in organ donation, but uh, what really marked me about the experience was the feeling of being alone in a hospital room and the interstitial tissue of uh, connecting through a feeling of anonymity in a hospital, of, of the ways that we become connected to each other. Um, and I had also had a friend of a friend who had gone through an organ donation experience uh, when her mother passed unexpectedly. And so I began researching more about organ donation. It kind of uh, captured my imagination as, a, as an important issue and also as something that speaks to, to this question of how we live on um, after we die. And uh, so through that experience, I began writing and I workshopped this play first with Prologue Theater Company in Chicago. And uh, later it went on to win the Hope on Stage Playwriting Award, um, which was funded through uh, the Templeton Foundation and a few um, universities. So I was lucky enough to have a uh, workshop with them and with Chicago dramatists, and then a rolling world premiere um, in both Los Angeles and Ithaca, New York. Um, so from there, now it's um, caught the attention of a theater Athena Theater Company in New York, and we're looking forward to its New York premiere. Without giving away uh, a lot about uh, what happens in the play, can you tell us a little bit about the plot? Sure. Yeah, the play centers around a woman named Phoebe, who is um, an aspiring poet and also the daughter of a famous novelist. Um, and her mother dies unexpectedly. She and her mother are estranged, uh, so she needs to make decisions about uh, her mother's organs, uh, but also it's sort of interwoven with the ghost of her mother in the form of her mother's journal. So she comes to know her mother through uh, this posthumous document and also eventually becomes connected with the family that receives her mother's heart. And so um, the title of the play makes reference to the E.E. E. Cummings poem, uh, since both mother and daughter are very connected uh, through literature, and also uh, the plays about her journey, then Phoebe's journey to finding love again after her mother's death. And how did you get across the anxiety of waiting for 
and organ donation? Well, I think there's something very relatable about the anxiety of waiting and given the stakes of the scenario and waiting for an organ donation uh, being so much higher, um, you know, there's something immediately relatable about it. And for me, it's largely about listening to the characters. So I get a sense of who the characters are and where they are, and then I try to make the writing reflect their experience. So it's a bit mystical. I sort of hear, I hear their voices um, and try to try to describe to them while being faithful to them. Mm-hmm. Now, Heidi, how did uh, Live On New York um, get involved with, with uh, Georgette's play? Um, my understanding is we were approached about the play and um, there are going to be talkbacks after each performance and Live On New York is going to provide um, an expert of sorts, either a former patient who has received an organ donation, um, our medical director, a nurse on our staff, uh, um, a liver recipient. So basically, um, it just sounded like an extraordinary opportunity to further awareness. And I feel like Georgette has done a really good job um, in, in this area because so much that you do see on TV that's dramatized just perpetuates myths that don't exist, you know, that organs are for sale or celebrities and presidents can hop the list and all of that. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's not any of that. And I think she did a very good job in capturing many of the aspects of what it's like to wait, what it's like to receive. And, um, and so we're happy to be a part of it. Thank you. That means so much to hear you say that. (laughs) When you have talkbacks, uh, Heidi, or or when you just go out in the public to uh, educate people, what are some of the most common questions that you get about organ donation? Oh, there are many. One one of the biggest questions and fears people have is that doctors will not and nurses won't work hard to save you because they really want your organs instead. And, you know, the myth of that is these are two separate medical uh, efforts. The, the doctors and nurses who are there to save your life, that's what they're there to do. Mm-hmm. And they urgently to do that. Only at a point when brain death has been declared by federal law, then the hospital has to call with one of you or could say there is a potential donor. And then a very separate medical team of people from Luana, New York will go and assess the patient to see if, in fact, and get a family history, medical history, to see if, in fact, they can be a potential donor and then start to manage the patient after they're dead, really, because brain death is death. Mm-hmm. So that's one big myth. The other one is that their you know, religion um, prohibits, and in fact, every major religion, including, you know, uh, you know, the Pope have been supportive of this, but people somehow learn early on in life, oh, that, you know, this somehow is the wrong thing to do. In fact, in most religions, the gift of life is really the highest calling. So that's something that, you know, um, has to be kind of untangled. so many more people waiting for donations than they than there are uh, organ donors. So uh, I know that Live On New York has as its uh, goal to educate the public. 
Can you tell us a little bit about what you do in that regard? Yes, and you bring up a good point that, you know, as of 10 o'clock this morning, there are 113,583 people waiting um, for a second chance at life, including nearly 10,000 New Yorkers. Um, and um, it's, uh, it is every day an effort to, we're out in the community, we're out in every neighborhood, um, going to churches, synagogues, community meetings, every place where you could spread the gospel of this, you go. But the problem is, is that every state has this uphill battle, and what really should be happening is that this ought to be a federal campaign. Um, if we had a Surgeon General, something, you know, a campaign like anti-smoking, uh, because it, it, you see it's very complicated, and the country needs to be educated, and the myths need to be dispelled, because, you know, there is something precious to be done after we all go. And, oh, another myth I just wanted to make uh, people aware. People think, oh, I'm too old to donate. And I myself was amazed to learn um, uh, that age is not uh, an issue either in many cases. So you can live a long, full life like a woman on Long Island um, a couple of years ago, 93 years old, healthy, died of natural causes, and her son was able to donate her liver, because it turns out the liver can live 150 years. Mm. And she saved the life of a 61-year-old woman, um, mother and grandmother, who, you know, two or three months later was in Disneyland with her grandkids. Wow. Um, when her liver turns 100 years old, we're going to do a story about that. So that's another way to do awareness is, you know, we try. I now am in the position of pitching reporters about stories I would have written in a heartbeat. Mm. Mm. <laughs> So uh, are we seeing more uh, people donate while still living? I mean, yes. And, and what, yes. What, what is usually involved there? Is it usually a personal connection, or uh, is there a test you take to make yourself available for that? Um, it's both. I think, you know, first to, to get a more perfect union, as one would say, um, it is better, say, it, you know, kidney uh, living donation is the most uh, prevalent one. So if there is, then you have to match in six different categories, so blood type and tissue type. And uh, so best first for your family. If there is nobody in your family who is able or willing, um, then you increase, you know, the uh, size of the pool and you reach out to friends. And there are now actually computer algorithms and organizations set up that will help match uh, people, and even if you can't donate to your loved one, you could donate to somebody else who then in turn could donate to you. I, I did a story at the news about um, a young man who needs a kidney, and nobody in his family was a match for him for medical reasons. But somebody in Pennsylvania, a mom was a match for him, but she wasn't a match for her own son. And uh, Nathaniel, the young man here in New York, his cousin wanted to give on his behalf, but they weren't a match, but so his cousin gave to this woman's son in Pennsylvania, and she gave a kidney to Nathaniel, and everybody is alive and well. Wow. That's so a, they're very inspiring stories. They certainly are. So, uh, Georgette, um, your play obviously can raise awareness in this area. What do you hope that the audience will come away with after seeing your play? Well, you know, I think it's a lot of what Heidi was just saying about the importance of having these conversations with your loved ones before um, before the time of stress arrives. Uh, I think I'd love for people to walk away with 
uh, some useful information and um, having considered what this process might be like in the hypothetical and they walk out asking each other, hey, what would you want in this scenario? Is this something um, that you've considered? Is this the box that's checked on your driver's license uh, so that they can be better informed uh, when their loved ones pass? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Heidi, do people keep in touch after a donation? I mean, Georgette's play is about, you know, a bond that forms between uh, two families. Do you see that a lot in your work, that, that this happens? We do, we do, and she captured that very well, and she captured the very beginning of that. And Lausanne, New York, um, often hosts these um, meetings or reunions, if you will, um, at our offices, and it's one of the most powerful things to witness, you can imagine. Um, it takes a long time sometimes for people on either side of this to decide this is what I want to do, and both sides need to agree, um, and only then can such a, a meeting take place. Uh, so it's, it's carefully handled, sensitively handled, and, uh, you know, to see um, a parent or a mother in particular who's lost a young child mm-hmm. meet recipient of their heart and listen with a stethoscope to their heart um, is uh, it's quite powerful. It's all very powerful. Um, there was a story that um, the Daily News did um, just two months ago about a mom who lost her 17-year-old son in a uh, football accident who's become a very active volunteer with Live on New York, and she very much wanted to meet all the recipients. Um, and the recipients in due time um, wanted to meet with her. You know, there's survivor's guilt. It's not easy, right? Um, right. And, um, she then ended up attending the wedding of the young woman who received her son Thomas's heart and then mm-hmm. ran alongside her in the uh, Tunnel to Towers, September 11th uh, race that goes on here every September. So she's actually running alongside Thomas's beating heart in this woman, mm-hmm. Karen. It, it's it's very powerful, very powerful. Have, have we made strides in keeping people alive for long periods of time after a transplant? I mean, with so many of these shows we watch on TV, there's always that uh, factor of taking, you know, drugs to uh, keep the body from rejecting a new organ. I mean, have we made progress in, in all of that? Yes, there's been medical progress, you know, in virtually every aspect of this. I remember when my brother had his transplant in 1994, he must have had a handful of about 80 pills in his hands every morning to take. Mm -hmm. And the the amount um, was formidable. Um, And I remember him thinking that his heart, this heart was going to last him forever, but the drugs were going to damage his kidneys or eventually, and now it's much less, um, much less drug that is given, and it's amazing what people, they can do well. They never wanted to change the formula 20-something years ago because people were okay, but in fact, um, yes, they have definitely decreased the amount of anti-rejection drugs, and people are doing much better. What other medical advances do you see on the horizon that could lead to further improvements in all of this? Oh, well, I mean, there's always, you know, in some countries, particularly in Europe, they have what's called the the opt-in system. Now, we have opt-in, opt-out, where everybody is considered an organ donor. And England has just um, passed this law as well. 
So every adult is considered a donor unless they sign a form saying they're not. Here in America, nobody is a donor, right, unless they sign up and say they are. So um, in places like Spain and the Netherlands, this has worked very well. And I suppose until they figure out a way to build, you know, create organs from scratch, I don't know. I mean, this is the best we have at this point. You know, people saying yes, signing up on the registry. And in New York, it's very easy now. You go to liveonnewyork.org, or the state uh, registry is right there. And the click of a button, you can make your decision in addition to the DMV. Georgia, did you find uh, among the cast or the other people that were involved in this play, and certainly you were going around to so many different cities when you were uh, workshopping this play, uh, did you find that you were seeing people and hearing stories about their personal uh, interactions with uh, um, organ donation and transplant? Yeah, well, there's something about theater bringing people together to hear stories that leads them to start telling their own stories. So certainly those are um, the type of stories that come up with this play that people begin saying, oh, yes, my friend, or oh, yes, my relative, or, you know, this is my point of entry into the text, and this is how um, that experience was for me, and that's how it's informing my playing of a role or my uh, design choice, or even as a spectator, uh, some of the most gratifying moments for me or in the lobby after a show if someone comes up to me and says, hey, this resonated with my experience. Let me tell you about my story. Uh, For me, that's a very high marker of success, and I'm very humbled by it. So I do find that that tends to happen. Yeah. It's so fascinating for me because uh, I was just speaking with my daughter this morning, and she was uh, in a car accident. She was actually hit by a car uh, a couple of years ago and had to have uh, surgery on her uh, collarbone. And it turned out that uh, there was an, uh, a donation involved in her surgery of uh, bone glue, uh, which I had never heard of. And uh, she, she, of course, was very grateful for that. But you think about all the different things uh, you know, that can be donated and can help people uh, through, you know, an operation, certainly, uh, um, you know, a more serious health problem than thankfully my daughter faced. Um, But are you seeing that, Heidi, that it just runs the whole spectrum from very serious illnesses to other situations? Oh, yes. And, you know, we all typically forget to mention tissue donation. So it's organ and tissue donation. Most people just think about organs. But, yes, I mean, a person... Uh, donating, you know, skin or bone or graft, going, I think, going to the dentist, there are materials, um, having knee replacement surgery. There's a million surgical techniques that, you know, procedures we all take for granted that use um, human tissue um, and, uh, and also giving the gift of sight, right, for donating cornea. So one, while one person can save up to eight people with an organ, because we all have eight organs we can donate, um, one donor can change the quality of life for a hundred people. Mm. So tissue donation is very important to Amazing. speak about. Uh, Georgia, did anything grow out of this play that may lead to future projects for you? Well, certainly the collaborators that I've met 
while making this play have been really phenomenal, um, and I'm hoping to maintain relationships with all of them for quite some time. And I do find that my work, in terms of my writing, it tends to meditate on some of the same themes. So hope is a very important theme for me, and how do we face very dark moments? How do we maintain hope in those very dark dark moments? Um, I also tend to write a lot about uh, women's stories, and there's some very powerful roles for women in this play and in my others. Um, and especially in this play, there's some powerful roles for older women who frequently don't see as many juicy roles uh, written for them. So I'm excited to continue writing roles for them, and I'm also excited to continue telling queer stories. Uh, one of the families in this uh, play has two moms, and um, that's something that I think it's important to represent on stage. And so, uh, so I think the themes, uh, all of those themes, and also the themes of poetry continue to resonate in my other work for sure. And Heidi, how about you? I mean, do you contemplate going back to writing, possibly doing a book about your experience in, in all of this? Um, I haven't thought about a book. I mean, um, I, I'm, what I would like to do and what we're in the process of creating is kind of a newsroom uh, at Live On New York because the stories are so compelling. They're so human, and in New York in particular, it is such a, an amazing window into a city, how people live, how people die, um, and the family dynamics and the medical dynamics of it all. Um, it's all pretty incredible. So um, I think of it more still, I guess, as a journalist. I don't think of myself as a book writer, but um, as a storyteller, yes, I think these stories need to get out um, and uh, more people know. We did We did publish, we have a foundation, which I'm the executive director of, actually, um, and we published a children's book looking at transplantation through the eyes of a child, which emanated from a true story of a five-year-old girl here in Queens who suddenly had kidney failure and her parents were unable to give because of medical rule-out. And, you know, a hundred readers called the Daily News to offer to be tested, which is very unusual. Usually people give money when they hear about, you know, a story or whatever. Um, and so it's about... Kinsey and and her mom and what she went through as a five-year-old. And now she's 11, and she's doing really well, and she's become one of Live on New York's most wonderful ambassadors <laughs> for organ for living organ donation. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. You know, actually, Georgia, she'd be a great person to have. I just realized she and her mom for one of your talkbacks as an example. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, yeah that'd be wonderful. So are there lots of other activities planned, Heidi, for this month? As, uh, because it's uh, uh, April is set aside for National Donate Life Month? Yeah, so there'll be a tremendous amount of activity um, in New York and all around the country um, so to create awareness. And Live on New York also every October has something unique called um, uh, Organ Donor Enrollment Day and where they a 24-hour period to teams of people compete to see how many people they could register, and they've been able to register about 4,000 people in 24 hours for the last four years. Um, so, yes, there'll be activities at hospitals and college campuses, high school, on the streets, everywhere you can imagine, spreading the gospel of the gift of life. Well, we would certainly have to come back in October and revisit this topic, so... Well, thank you. thank you both for being with us today. Again, I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town, and we have been speaking with Heidi Evans and Georgette Kelly about uh, 
National Donate Life Month and uh, Georgette's play, I Carry Your Heart. And uh, for more information, uh, they can go to your website, Heidi. Um, mm -hmm. Live on Live New on York. New York. Uh, and uh, for tickets to uh, Georgette's play, they can go to the website for the theater, 59E, 59 Theaters. So thank you both again. Thank you. Thank you so much.